Have you ever felt like life is going against you? If so, you'll want to listen to today's guest, Francesca Anastasi, who lost everything, and I mean everything. She shares her incredible journey of how she overcame her circumstances against all odds. Listen to this inspiring story. Welcome to the Courage to Be podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Vasayo. And each week, I will bring you amazing guests so that you can tap into the courage to break out of all patterns and live your soul's purpose. Before we get into this episode, if by the end you enjoyed it, please follow, rate, review, and share the podcast so we can reach more people. Because here's the thing, I'm on a mission to close the gender gap in the podcasting world so that more and more women's voices are heard. If you feel that this is something you value too, then please take action by rating, reviewing, following, and sharing the podcast. We can only do this together. Check out the link in the show notes to see how this is done. And make sure to stay until the end to claim some free gifts I have for you. Welcome, Francesca Anastasi. Thank you for being with us today. I'm so excited to dive in with you. Oh, you said my name so perfectly, Tanya. Like, it's like, <laughs> wow, she said it perfectly. It's so many people butcher it. So thank you. <laughs> I'm excited to be here, actually. Thank you for that. Maybe it's our European background, you know, you being Italian, me being Spanish, and maybe that kind of came in, in place. So I'm glad I said it right. Francesca, tell us a little bit about your journey. You know, why do you do the work you do nowadays? How did you land there? What was your journey? My goodness, that's like a, a big loaded question. <laughs> I know. Oh, my See journey. See where you want to take it. You can make it long, short, you know, however you want to. Yeah, I'll try to be as concise as possible just for time constraints. And then if anybody wants to know more, you can just reach out to me. There's videos online of me talking about my story. It feels like, and I'm sure a lot of people can identify with this. It feels like my journey is not one journey, it's multiple journeys at once. So it depends on which one of these I want to look at to share with you. So I think based on the topic of your podcast and courage in itself, I think I'll just talk about that part, the courage. I used to be, I guess, by definition and, you know, a kind of person who is not a leader, kind of a follower, just kind of go with the flow, do as told. And always dependent on other people. I was never really a self-starter. Although if I look back, there were indications that I was, but overall uh -huh. I wasn't. And the idea of having a business was just like me, right? Never. That's never going to be like, I would have no clue what to do. And it came a, a, a time in life where after having been married for 14 years, I had to put an end to that relationship because there was only so much I could take. I'm not going to get into the details of that. All I can just say was not a healthy relationship. And I found myself having to leave a situation where I had no finances. I had not been working for 14 years. I had a child. I didn't have a job and didn't have access to money. And what I did is I managed to save just a bit of change from grocery shopping. That's the only money I had access to and saved up just a tiny bit. It was at the time, it was like $2,000 <laughs> and had to found, find myself a place to live, tried to find a job. Nobody gives you a place to live if you don't have a job. 
right? Mm. It's hard to rent if you don't have a job. And it's hard to find a job when you haven't been working for 14 years. <laughs> yeah, they don't make it easy for women in that in your situation. Right. I agree 100%. Uh, but I was I had the courage to make the decision that the status quo was no longer acceptable in the relationship and that I would rather be homeless than stay one more day and being yeah. supported financially just to have a roof over my head and have a meal. I felt like what's the difference between me and someone on the street selling herself sex if this is the only reason I stay. And so I made the brave, the courageous decision to, to do that without a job, without a place to live. <laughs> and I did manage to get a place for rent. I was able to rent a place that was super, super tiny little basement suite. I told the landlord my whole situation. That was the bravery part because I think wow. most people would go and trying to cover up and make things up. And I was just completely open with the landlord. And I said, this is my situation. This is all I have in my, this is all I have available to me financially. I don't have a job. I am actively looking. I do have a child. <laughs> She's going to be living with me. And I basically spilled the beans. I was like, this is my situation. If I don't pay rent, you kick me out. But I guarantee you find a way to pay rent. And he said, okay. Wow. Right? Yeah. He said, okay. And I was like, he was an older man. I could have been his grandchild. <laughs> and it just seemed like a super sweet person. And so he allowed me to rent. I was there for, how long was I there for? Not very long because then I decided to set fire to the whole place. It was the basement suite of his house. And while my daughter and I were away, somebody set fire to the house. So the whole oh, wow. place was inaccessible after that. Sadly, my landlord died in that fire. And he was fire. Yeah, he was handicapped. Wow. He was handicapped and couldn't get out. So really, really, really sad. Anyway, 10 days. So I lost everything. I already had nothing. <laughs> I did have my job that I had gotten at that point. And when the fire happened, like we lost everything. I had no insurance because the job that I got wasn't like a barely paid the basics, the, the basics. And then I had credit card debt for lawyers to go through the divorce. So it was like, I couldn't afford to pay for insurance. So when the fire happened, there was no replaceables. Like it's gone. Right. And 10 days later, I lost my job. Wow. Yeah. To add to how do you tap into the courage one more time? I mean, because I was going to ask you at what point that you decide, because you said you were married for 14 years and it wasn't a healthy relationship. And you made that decision at the point of that I'd rather be homeless than stay one more day. You know, like it starts with a decision, but how did you tap into that courage? Like what, was it trust? Was it confidence? Was it because you don't have anything to fall back on? It's not like you can say like, oh, I'm going to this job, like I have a job or I have, you know, like all you had were the $2,000 that you'd saved up. So what would you say was the main thing that allowed you to step into that courage? And that's the first part. I want to continue with the story to ask you, how do you find the courage again? Once yeah. everything's been stripped from you once again, you know, job, fire, your belongings, everything think it was a moment of accepting that 
or no longer accepting the unacceptable. I think it was making that decision. I will not be violated one more time. I will not wow. be disrespected one more time. This ends here. Regardless, it wasn't like, oh, I feel brave and I feel confident about this. I had no idea what would happen. I was completely mm -hmm. clueless. All I knew is I couldn't stay anymore. And when I lost a job is because the company that I was working for, which I loved working there too, <laughs> they folded. It was, a good, it was a computer company and they just went belly up. So they let everybody go. And I remember the, we called them controllers here. I'm not sure what, the, what you call them in, in the US, but it was kind of like the person who takes care of all the finances in uh -huh. the company. And he called me in his office. He was kind of like that and my supervisor at the same time. And he, supervisor, manager, whatever you want to call it. And he called me in his office. He literally had tears running down his face. And he's like, of all people, you're the one person I really don't want to have to tell this, <laughs> that, you know, we're closing down, like there's no job. Because he knew that 10 days before I had lost everything, right? I had lost everything. And I had no family here, no friends. That was another, that's another story because the moment I left the relationship, all my friends or all the friends I thought were my friends because they were common friends with my ex, they made the decision to even not ask me why I was leaving. And that's part of a religious cult <laughs> and why that happened. So leaving wasn't just leaving the marriage, it was also leaving all the connections that I had. So literally it was alone. So my family lives in Italy. I'm here in Canada. So all this happened here. So when you say, you know, about the courage, I don't know. I wouldn't even call it courage. Maybe it is courage because you do it in spite of being afraid, right? That, that's yeah. what courage is. It's not feeling courageous. It's just, you just do it. You have to do it. Yeah. Do How it. old was your daughter? Just out of curiosity. She was nine. And, and I don't know if this is relevant or important to it, but the relationship wasn't healthy. Was it unhealthy towards your daughter too? And that's what helped you because a lot of times when you're in, you know, unhealthy relationships, abusive relationships of some sort, it's hard to make that decision for ourselves. And it's easier if you want to use the term easier, because I don't even think that's a term you can use within those type of relationships, but it might help make that decision if there is a child involved and that child does get abused. Because as women, I think sometimes we tend to put others before ourselves and it's until we don't see that our loved ones, our children have been violated that then we make that decision. That's why I'm asking you that question because I think it's relevant to know, you know, if anyone is in this type of situation. Yeah, not abusive in the sense that people would think of, but when it comes to my daughter, the other side is, and it's something that I tell people constantly, people that I talk to who are in abusive relationships is your children are the reason to leave the abusive relationship. Even if your partner is not directly abusing them, the child is witnessing it. And the child is learning that behavior. And it's learning one of two things, either to, either to adopt that behavior for themselves or to accept that this is the norm and being abused is okay. It's part of life. And so that's, but if you ask me, was he abusive to the child? No, not in the sense but that. But still, that's beautifully said. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Francesca, because you're right. You know, in that moment, you made a decision that was going to break the 
the ancestral patterns. Let's put it that way. You know, your child is being exposed to a way someone's speaking to you, to a way someone's treating you, to a way, you know, fill in the blank. And like you said, they will either adopt that and become an abuser when they grow up, or they will think that that's a normal way of being, you know, and a normal way of being treated and a normal way of acting. So that was a very good point. But so now you're back. Let's go back to the other. So now you're repeating everything again. Did you feel a little bit, I mean, because still you've lost everything once again, but this time it's in a different way. Do you feel like you were a little bit more confident? Because I always feel like with courage comes confidence. We think that sometimes we have to build our confidence and then the courage will come, but it's the other way around. We have to be courageous first, like you did in that first moment, making that decision of leaving. And now you're in this new situation, no home, no job. Where did you tap into the courage and did you have slightly, was the level of confidence a little bit higher that you're like, okay, I can trust a little bit more. If I got through that last one, I can get through this one. Or were you in the complete opposite where you're like, no, I can't even deal with this anymore. Okay. So this is how it happened. When the placement got burned down, my friend called me, a friend called me and who lived close by. She went by and looked, it's like, that's where, that's where Francesca lives. So she calls me and she says, don't bother coming home. I was away. It was over the, it was over the Christmas, the, the winter holidays. And I had been invited to, to get away with my daughter. So during that time, <laughs> this happened. And so my friend calls me and says, she gives me the news that, you know, somebody said fire to the house, the landlord died. <clears throat> She only found out because it was on the news and she goes, that looks like a familiar place, right? Obviously it was in the news because my mother died. And I remember this, I hadn't lost my job yet. Okay. So when I got that phone call, it was like, she said, Can you, are you sitting down? You know, when people say, are you sitting down before yes. you get the news? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, no, you're going to sit down. This, you really need to sit down. So I'm like, okay, I'm sitting down. So when she told me, I went into this. Like I had the phone in my hand and I went into this kind of almost like a, a silent mode. Like I was so present in that moment. And all of a sudden it was just like I had this, I could just see two roads, two paths in front of me. It was obviously this all happens kind of within seconds, but all of a sudden it was like, okay, what do I do? Right. So I have two paths. I have this side. I can choose, I can just play victim here, cry. Everything happens to me because my life hasn't been very, you know, <laughs> loving to me lately, to put it lightly. <laughs> and it, like you said, one thing after another, right? So it's like, I can be miserable and be a victim or I can choose not to be a victim. Take this bull by the horns and ride it, go this way. But this way is completely dark because I can't see what's on this side. I have no idea going this way. But when I looked at the victim and feeling sorry for myself, I did not like it. And I was like, enough of this. I will no longer take this. This is not what I want for the rest of my life. Complaining is not going to get me anywhere. Feeling sorry for myself is not going to get me anywhere. So I am just going to just buckle up and do whatever it takes to ride this. And let's see where it goes. 
And that's basically what happened. So when <laughs> 10 days later, I'm back, I'm at work <laughs> and I'm told that, you know, I no longer had a job. It was just like, okay, I made the decision that I was going to write this no matter what, and everything is going to happen. I made the decision that no matter what would happen, no matter what the challenge would be, that I would look for the lesson in it. So I turned it, mm -hmm. I flipped it. Like, what am I going to learn from this? And I don't see it right now. I know that one day I'm going to look back and is what am I learning from this? And maybe how can I help other people with it? So that's really, I don't know if it was courage in the sense of I'm brave, right? Not that kind mm -hmm. of courage. It's more of a, a decision. Literally, it's just a simple decision of enough of what I don't like. And even if I don't know what it looks like, you just say no to what you don't like and you don't accept it anymore. And then you just focus on making things happen differently. Oh, that is so great. Yes, it is all about, and you've said it several times in this time we've been speaking of, I decided, I decided, I decided, and it is all based on a decision. So that's great. So tell us a little bit about what you learn, like you're saying from these lessons about toxic relationships and self-care and what was the gift in that? Because I always look back, I've been in unhealthy relationships too, not a lot, just one, but I do believe that there's gifts in that too. And I'd love to hear what your gifts were coming out of that. Yeah. Before I tell you that there was a second relationship after that also ended up being <laughs> very oh toxic God. as well. So that was a 10 year relationship, very emotional at an emotional level, extremely manipulative relationship and so I've learned a lot between the two. So when I look at the first one, the main lesson, which I pound, I literally pound on women who are in similar situation where I was is when you get into a relationship and you get into marriage where you don't have the opportunity or given or being allowed to make your own income, or you don't have access to your own finances that relationship is doomed. Like you're not going to do well. You're going to be controlled. In order for a relationship to be healthy when it comes, especially in the financial side, is you want to make sure that your financial independence is always in place. So I see this so much. People say, oh, I especially now because there's a trend of a lot of women when they go back the way it used to, they want the traditional marriage where they stay home with the kids. And you know what? Beautiful, great, wonderful. If that is what you want, that is fantastic. But please, 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 please make sure that you are taken care of financially. If your partner loses their job, if they go into some medical issues where they can't bring income anymore. If something happens to them and they end up out of your life, where are you going to be? Let me tell you, after 14 years of not working and having to find work, you're not going to get high paying job. You're not. They just simply not. Right. Um, and you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. And if you have kids, statistics show you end up in poverty. Right. So 
the financial aspect of that was the biggest lesson in my first relationship is you make sure that you always have access to finances and that you have the ability to support yourself if hopefully never that happens but if that happens that you're going to be okay that's such great advice francesca because in these past years even though i work on you know business strategy and helping women with their business strategy and stuff my emphasis and my focus has been on money mindset and how do we create a better relationship with our money because that was something that I was going through, you know, and I wanted to learn and I wanted to become curious about it. You know, growing up in a patriarchal country, patriarchal family, where all the men, you know, even though they supported the women, it was a little bit like that unspoken. And I don't know if it's the same way in Italy, but for me growing up, it was an unspoken language, but that they'd say, you'll be taken care of by the man you marry you know, and then you have babies and you take care of the kids. And it's so important because A, 50% of marriages end up in divorce. If you are one of the lucky ones that stays in a marriage, 80% of those women will outlive their spouses. So, and then there's women that choose to be single. And then there's women that choose to leave a relationship because it's bad. So why not learn how to become financially independent? And if you're in a relationship, I have a beautiful relationship. You're married too right now, right? And mm -hmm. you can, instead of seeing it as like, oh, but independent financially, you can be interdependent. Like what you're saying, you know, it's like, just make sure you have some type of backup. Make sure you have some type of knowledge. And not because you're going to end up in divorce, not because the guy's going to screw you, not because whatever it is, it's just, you never, life changes this fast. We think we have security. You thought you had security in your home. The home got burned down. You thought you had security in your job. It's all these false securities because we think that we have that security. You thought you had a security with your husband and that it, it was taken away. So I just wanted to make emphasis on this because it's a really important topic that I'm so happy that you took as a lesson because I'm sure that has served you so much more. And just even in the impact that you're having with this conversation, you know, of like all the women and men that might be listening to this, because it goes for both sides too, for the men to empower the women that they're with to learn about some of these things. Sometimes my dad tends to manage more of the finances in our household, more than my mom, but he like sets up like certain things. Like I had her do an online transfer. So she gets used to these things. So he's empowering her. You know what I mean? Instead of taking away that power, my husband also, he taught me or he had me contact our financial advisor to learn about how to invest in the stock market. I had no idea. I was so scared about that. So this goes for women and men. You can't just abdicate your power. Money touches everything. And I'm sorry that I just interjected here, Francesca, because I want to continue with the story, but I think it's such an important 
lesson and something for all of us to keep in mind, men and women, you know, of how are you empowering the women in your life and for women to not just abdicate your power and say, I'm just going to stay home. I want to be a stay at home mom. And that way I don't have to do anything. Like ask yourself the question of why you're doing that and how can you back it up and support it? So thank you for that. Let's continue with it. No, Sorry, you I just had it. Pause I, in there. I am so happy that you, you said all that because I feel very strongly that is a huge, that is the biggest thing, which led me to when I lost the job, I was looking for more work after that. I was looking for another job and another job, another job. And I spent most of the year is that that was in January of 2001 when the fire happened and I lost a job. And I spent most of the year looking for work and I was either overqualified, underqualified, like I was desperate. I was on unemployment insurance, but then that was running out. <laughs> right? September comes along and guess what happens? 9-11. Oh, you're kidding me. And the interview stopped completely. I had two agents helping me find work throughout the year, like going to going to interview after interview after interview. Like just in the month of March that year, I literally wrote down 33 interviews in one month just to show you how hard I was like looking for work and I wasn't getting it I didn't have the experience once again right I didn't have enough experience so the few jobs where <laughs> there were some jobs where I overqualified they wouldn't give them to me I'm like <laughs> so it was so hard that's another reason why I believe everyone should be working even if it's part-time you should continue working at some level so then 9-11 happens and interviews stopped and I'm like I got to put food on the table, right? Um, so I decided if nobody was going to hire me, I had to hire myself. And that's how I started my business. And I opened the one thing, started looking out what is it that I'm really, really good at. And, that, and at the same time, what is it that I really, really love to do? And there's two things. And I was already doing it for free, helping others. So I'm like, I'm going to make it for myself. And that is teaching dance. I love to dance. I've always danced my whole life. And um, I was helping other teachers. I was helping them organize workshops. I was helping them in class teach. And I'm like, it's time for me to now make money because I was doing that for free. <laughs> so I create, I opened my own dance studio. And I, wow. so, uh, yeah, so that, that's how I started the whole entrepreneurial side of my life. <laughs> and then it expanded and evolved from there because you asked me the journey, right? So I'm trying mm -hmm. to give you the short, the short version. So my studio grew quite well. It was, it did really, really well. It was geared towards adults. All the classes were for adult beginners who had never had the chance to learn dance as kids. So it was quite popular. And, and from there, I ended up training instructors from scratch, certifying instructors, and then teaching them how to get themselves free, you know, how to freelance and get themselves work elsewhere. Because obviously you can't give 20, <laughs> a full-time job to one to dance teachers, they need to get around and teach at different places. They all have their own different skills. So yeah, so it kind of expanded from there. So it wasn't just about teaching dance, then it was about building the business and, you know, running a business and having staff and managing the staff and all of that. So that led me into the business consulting. I've been, I mentor a lot of people that launch their businesses and between that, the clients that I had through this studio and my personal experience, I started a, 
an organization called Shimmy Mob where we do dance flash mobs and we have teams all over the world to raise awareness around domestic violence and help people find information, education around it, how to get out safely. And also something new I introduced a couple of years ago is how to heal from abusive, toxic relationships once you left. So there's, there's all of that and also how to prevent getting into them. <laughs> So here we Let's are in a nutshell. This is where we are. That is amazing though. You know, just seeing that there's so many parts that I want to ask you, you know, just the different details. What would you say is the common thread? I think I have an idea of like every challenge that you've had, because you've had a lot of them. You chose not to be the victim, like you said, and just keep on going, even though you didn't know what it looked like, even though, you know, 9-11 happens, even though you applied to 33 jobs and, you know, interviews in one month, you know, like what's the common thread that keeps pulling you through that? It's interesting you ask that because I've been trying to find that myself. I know that since I was a little child, one thing I always wanted to strive for is wisdom. And when I look at all of it, everything, what I see the common thread is that self-care is the word, self-care. But self-care to me has four, when I talk about this, it's like, it's, you have to think of self-care like a car that has four wheels. You need the four wheels, the four wheels of mm -hmm. self-care. And that is you need your mental self-care. You need your emotional self-care. There is a difference between the two. You need your physical self-care and you need your financial self-care, which is the one that we talked mm. about before. All four are essential for happiness, for health, for a fulfilling life. When, you, when we focus on all four and we work on all those four for ourselves, we spill it over others, and we can help others with it. So it creates this rippling effect of being the best that we can be with what we have available and create a ripple effect, have a great life. You can't have a great life when one of those four suffers. So if you're taking care of your mental health and your emotional health, the proper way you will have some boundaries in place to never get into a toxic relationship, for example, because you're learning all the things that you need that need to be in place. So it's not just about reading a book and go doing some yoga and meditating. It, there's so much more to self-care than people realize. Yeah. Can you tell so, us a little bit more about emotional and mental health care? Like what would you put into those two categories? Yeah. So men, to me, the mental health care is the input that goes in your head, right? Mm. What is the information you're putting in? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Right. And how is that affecting you? Right. That also impacts your mindset. The emotional self-care is about does overlap with the same things that I just, <laughs> that I just mentioned, but also um, it's also about the people around you, right? About your environment, yeah. whether it's your your home environment whether it's your work environment whether it's just the people you know in your family environment that affect your emotional state right that trigger your emotions so that's the difference between the two in a nutshell no and that's great to know too of how you're seeing 
the self-care of those, you know, of mental, because like you're saying, some people could be like, oh yeah, mental self-care, you know, I just have to be positive or, and it's, it, it, you, you said it's so great by, you know, paying attention to the input. What are we putting in? What are we watching? Are we starting our day with intention? Are we starting our day by looking at our phones? You know, like all of that adds to the mental side of it. And so thanks for that clarification. So what I see as a thread for you, that's why I was curious, but I love how you brought this up of the four wheels of self-care is I, first off, obviously I see you as a very courageous person, you know, of just I didn't even know these stories about you. You know, we've, we've crossed paths in different worlds and communities, but wow, brava, you know, like if someone else was given these same circumstances, would they have chosen the same path or would they have chosen the victim side? You know, like what would they have done? How would they have encountered it? And so that's the first thing that I just wanted to reflect back to you of, of while wow, your level of courage is to me is up here. And the second one that I saw as a through line and the thread with all of it is your level of trust and faith. Because when you're choosing victim or I'll take the challenge, no matter what it is, you were given, I mean, I think the universe was just like, seriously, okay, I'm going to see how, how real, how serious you are about this. I'm going to give you, you know, you're not going to find the job for eight months. Oh, now I'm going to throw, you know, these 33 interviews. Now I'm going to throw 9-11, you know, but that all led you to entrepreneurship and that in itself requires a lot of courage. There's so many people that say like, oh yeah, I'd love to leave my job and I'd like to start my own business, but that requires a level of trust. Again, the same as like the courage. So I just wanted to reflect that back to you, Francesca, you know, do you feel that trust and faith is something that's strong within you? Hmm. No, I never really thought about it in terms of those two words, trust and faith. I believe that we reap from what we sow, right? So if we plant seeds, hopefully something comes out of there. It's just like, it's like, like a garden, right? You can put a seed, it may grow, may not grow, but chances are that it might grow. But if you don't plant that seed, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so... <laughs> Then, you know, it's like, if you don't ask the question, the answer is no, it's always no, unless you ask, right? It's kind of the same thing. So maybe hidden in there is curiosity. I think yes. it might be curiosity of where can this go? Because if I don't make this decision, <laughs> I know where it's going. I don't like it's about, you know, making decision based on what you like or don't like, even if you don't know what it is. It's setting boundaries. I, th I think it is about setting boundaries, setting boundaries of what you don't accept anymore, that you are worth more. I mean, I, myself, my self-worth was like below, below basement level, you know, like you would have to dig to get my self-worth was non-existent. And so how do you build that up though? You know, for someone that's because boundaries is very tied into self-worth too, you know, and self-care, you know, it's all, they're all kind of intertwined. What would be some pieces of advice to build that self-worth up for ourselves? Yeah. So he, this is what I suggest to do. 
is you sit down, <laughs> not you, but whoever's listening here, sit down and you make a list of values that are really important to you. And then you set the boundaries to protect those values. And you make those boundaries non-negotiable. And when you do examples, like for you, for me, it would be the moment. Well, I'll, I'll bring the example of a second relationship. That one was very confusing to me because here I was running. <laughs> I had already launched my organization on, you know, about domestic violence. And I didn't realize that my relationship was toxic and abusive. Why did I not realize, recognize it for what it was? Because it was all emotional. And at the time, I did not realize that emotional abuse can be even more damaging and more, what's the word? Insidious. I don't know if that's what you're insidious looking for. Insidious is the word. It's insidious. You don't see it, right? You don't. It's, it's not tangible. Yes. Right? So it's like, it's up there. And I used to tend to not put much weight on it. It's not the same as if somebody slaps you. If this was one of my boundaries, if you slap me, if somebody I'm ever gone. slaps me, that's done. Right. But yes, you can call me name and, and insult me. And that's not a boundary there. Do you see the difference? Yes. Right. So you have to set those boundaries in, in advance. So with the second, with that, the second relationship, I didn't, I, my self-worth wasn't quite there. Mind you, I did have business, you know, I had my dance business. And, and so I had the confidence of being on stage. I'm very comfortable on stage. Like that's my home, put me on stage, give me a mic or whatever. Give me spotlights. I'm good. I'm happy. <laughs> right. It's my comfort area. But then in the relationship level, my self-esteem was just like my self-worth. It was like non-existent. So I would take it, right. I would take the, I would take the little instant the little comments, right? Or the, the things said as a joke that chip away at you. But I couldn't say the boundaries because I didn't recognize it for what it was. The moment it was someone else actually that pointed out what was going on. And it's like, Francesca, do you not see what's going on? The moment I realized boundary set, this is the end, no more of this, the end. So I don't know, does that give you a clear example? Well, it, there's so many pieces to this. Right? I know we could do a whole <laughs> other podcast on relationship and setting boundaries and identifying toxic relationships, because as you were saying that, what showed up for me is because I was also in an emotional relationship, you know, abusive relationship, emotional and psychological, I'd say. And where I can relate to what you're saying was if he ever puts a hand on me, that's the end. I am gone. I will even punch him back. You know, let's put it that way. You know, that's to the degree of, of my pride and my boundaries per se, but I've seen throughout my, the years, so many women, friends, family members that have gone through emotional and psychological abuse without realizing it. And I'd even be daring enough to say that that was just passed down in my ancestry, you know, like my grandmothers and Spain, great grandmothers, you know, like I'm sure in those relationships, 
might've even been physical, but where it's evolved. And that's where I use the word insidious, as you were saying it, is that you see these amazing, smart, intelligent women. I'm talking Ivy League schools, some of them with amazing careers or jobs, like high-end levels of jobs. Because I think the profile we think of the abused woman, and I put abuse in quotes because it can air quotes because it's emotional and psychological. The physical, yeah, that's easier to say, oh yeah, once they hit me, I will leave. You know, like I would never fall for that, you know, that type of profile. But this emotional and psychological identifying it is so hard. Like I said, it's smart women, intelligent women, socioeconomic, maybe, you know, middle to higher class and not being able to spot it. And so maybe this is worth doing another podcast, a different day of like how to identify these toxic relationships. I'll give you one tip. I can give you one. I can give you one to make it really quick. And that is, if you feel great when you are not with your partner and the thought of going home, because this is actually what my friend told me, that's how I, it kind of snapped for me. I was, I was telling her, I said, you know what? I just, I just dread going home after work. I dread going home. I go home, I get lectured. I like to, it's like, you have to walk on eggshells. I have to be careful about what I say. And that was it, right? If you're happier away from your partner than you are with your partner, if you feel like this heaviness every time you go home or every time you see your partner, that's an indication that something is completely off. That's one of them. But how, well, here's another question following that up. Okay. So now you identify that you don't want to go home after work, that it's not, you know, I don't feel good. Like I've identified it and you're think you have the thoughts occasionally. Okay. Maybe I should leave the relationship. Maybe this is not the right thing. You know, like I'm, I'm seeing it, but it seems so hard. Like I, we would have to separate what happens with the kids, this house, you know, like what would we do with the house? How am I going to be financially? Will I be able to save for retirement? Like there's all these fears that start bubbling up. So then that does it make it easier to say, well, I'll just, it's okay. It's not as bad as I think it is. How do you talk yourself out of really being honest with yourself and carving that courage out again, you know, of just doing it? That's another episode, like you said. That's really, there's a lot to it yeah. to unbuckle there because there's so many different things that go along with that that there isn't one way to, there's more than one way. So I would, you know, we'll definitely, yeah. we'll definitely organize yeah. it for that. But thank you for that tip. I love that idea of just analyzing and becoming present and asking yourself about that. You know, you've been married now. How long have you been married in this relationship? I'm trying to think we've been together for 10 years. That's awesome. We've been married eight. And you're in a loving place. This relationship seems like you broke all the patterns. You stepped it up to a whole other level. I've seen you speak about your husband very lovingly. What changed or what kind of boundaries that you set in place that are still respected 
both ways like can you tell us like how that shift from the toxic ones to a loving one yeah well when I ended the second one I was so done I was like I am done with the relationship I had like I don't need this in my life I can be happy Uh by myself I don't I don't need a man (laughs) and I didn't need a man I didn't um and I think that plays a role into it the moment you realize that you're okay by yourself that you're not needing somebody in your life. I think that's key number one. I was at the counselor's office. I was going to counseling and 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 I was telling her that my daughter had invited me to an event and she said, oh, and I, I was spending time with my now husband, but just as friends, like there was no nothing. And, uh, and my husband, my daughter says, well, just bring, why don't you bring him? Because we had something else going on. And she's like, oh, bring him along. And I'm like, no, I'm not bringing him along. I don't want him getting ideas, starting to meet my kid, my family. No, like, no. So I was telling my counselor that and, and the counselor said, why not? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Why not? I am done with relationships. And she said, why would you deny yourself the chance of happiness if he's the right person? And it, it, that landed in a whole or the chance of love. I can't remember exactly the words, the chance of happiness, the chance of love. I can't remember, but it, but it was along those lines and it hit me and I kept thinking about that. Like, what if I would be happy with this person? I don't know, but we weren't really dating. <laughs> we were just spending time and we we're just going to theaters uh-huh. and like that. So that's, it kind of opened up the door a little bit in my heart. And I was like, okay, I'll be open to it if it goes anywhere. But the other side of the equation, when I said, I said to her, how do I know that he's not going to hurt me too? Because I don't want to go there anymore. I mean, at one point I was suicidal. So I was like, I'm not going there. Like this is, you know, I cannot allow anyone to hurt me anymore. That was my boundary. (laughs) And she said to me, the way you avoid a bad relationship is you look for the red flags. You learn what those red flags are. And when you see if there is one, you address it. Right. So, and that's exactly what I did. I thought, okay. I know the red flags. Now I know. Now I've learned what the red flags are. I'm going to look for them. And as soon as I see one, I'm going to address it. And if I don't like where this is going, end of story. And that's where it ends. Thankfully, my hubby is the, the kindest human on this planet. I've never met anyone who is kinder, more gentle, more caring. That's, he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. He, he's so supportive in so many ways. He's just, I tell him there should be a, 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 like a cookie cutter stuff to duplicate him <laughs> because he's amazing. Like you got to teach this stuff to other men. <laughs> it's so good. But he's very quiet and reserved, but he's super sweet, super sweet. He's awesome. That's awesome. I feel like this is such a great example. I always say that courage favors the brave, you know, that the universe will compensate you. You know, if you take if you're the universal compensate the brave. So if you take, if you have courage and you take that leap of faith, which you did in this case, even though you'd been hurt in the past, you were compensated with this amazing human being that gets to be your husband. So what I'm observing again is how the thread, that curiosity openness and trust is what allowed you to get that gift because you could have easily gone back into 
oh, well, what if he hurts me? I don't want to go through all this again. Like you could have gone and told the negative what ifs. Oh, I did constantly. I'm telling you, I was just like, I had radar like this, like constantly examining every move, every breath, every, everything. <laughs> I was terrified. And even two years later, when we did get married, poor commissioner that married us, he, he thought I was spastic because I was shaking so hard. I'm like, am, is he going to change as soon as we get married? There's always that thing, right? That happened with the that other fear, the others, right? Yeah. Like they changed after I'm like, but this time I'm like, I know the door I've exited before. I know exactly how to do it. I'm not going to wait years. I'm going to do it instantly. So that was my boundary as well. Did you have any type of conversations with him about these things Oh yeah. before or going oh, yeah. into the marriage? Oh yeah. And he told me, it's like, nothing's going to change. Everything's going to be good. It's going to be fine. Like he had to put trust in the relationship as well. He had been hurt too. Mm -hmm. So he had his own past relationship where his ex was you know toxic okay yeah but here we are we're happy and after all this time we've never had a fight that is awesome so francesca tell us where people can find you and what event you have coming up okay so we have our shimmy mob event which is our global dance flash mobs anybody can sign up you can start a team in your area or you can join a team if there was if there's one close to you or we also introduced team global virtually so you can also participate online <laughs> and it's a lot of fun so you get to learn a dance and we do all this to raise awareness around domestic violence and support local shelters so the funds portion of the funds go to the local shelters and uh, yeah shimmymob.com you can reach me through there that's probably the easiest way to reach me. So shimmymob.com. And what the part that you said online, did you say that's just for teens? No, team, I, the team. team. That's I wanted to make sure that because I heard it as a team. Yeah. So that's great that we could do it online too. And it's anywhere globally that we could be doing the dance and raising awareness with this. So if any of the listeners, if you are part of a dance studio, if you just want to dance and be part of a group locally and set this up, definitely reach out and go look online for this. Can you tell us the URL again? And we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Shimmymob.com. Perfect. That is awesome. Wow, Francesca. Well, as we're wrapping up, I'd like to ask you, what's one thing our listeners can do to live a life with more courage? Make the decision. Oh, I love it. not accept anything less than what you really deserve and you deserve the best. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Francesca, for your story and just inspiring us through that journey. And I would love to do a follow-up one where we talk, we go more in depth in toxic relationships, setting boundaries, how to identify them and stuff. This was amazing as usual. Every time I connect with you, just, I love your, your energy and, and your presence here. Thank you so much. I am so grateful that you joined me today. If you enjoyed it, there's one thing I'd like you to do. Click on the follow button so you don't miss a single episode. Leave me a rating and a review, and please share. As my way to thank you, email us a screen grab of your review at the email in the show notes, 
and we will send you a free Crafting Your Future guided visualization, which is so simple to do with outstanding results. It will empower you and give you the confidence to attract and create the life you've always desired. See you in our next episode.